All right, everyone. Thank you so much. This is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show. And this show is for anyone that has a very strong passion of the intersection of emerging technologies and impact. And lately, we've been talking a lot about climate, oceans, impact, but also how do emerging technologies and different societal shifts uh, that are occurring are happening in the world. And along those lines, I'm really excited to have my guests on the show today. So Joelle Michael is the founder of Oceans and Us and Circularity. And uh, he is working on two really fascinating concepts in the intersection of them. So circular economy and cleaning up the oceans. Joelle, thank you so much for being on the show today. And uh, it's great to have you. It's my pleasure. Uh, it's long due. I've been waiting to come on the show and so to speak to your audience. And uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's it's very, uh, very enthused to have have you on. Tell me a little bit about your background, but more specifically, teleport us back. Where did things start? You have a strong passion on this intersection, circular economy and oceans. Where did that all come from? Maybe you can bring us back and uh, tell us where it started. Sure. Um, I've spent about a decade um, in the climate tech uh, entrepreneurial ecosystem, as well as uh, the venture capital side of things of all things to do with the sustainability and innovation around sustainability tech. Uh, one of the uh, ones that catch a lot of attention is my background with the Hyperloop. I was one of the early founding members uh, back in around 2014, 2015. This is when we first launched, uh, launched the world's first Hyperloop company after we um, spoke with Elon and took the white paper to sort of take this concept to market. Now, while the world was very enthused with um, Hyperloop being this fast mobility um, mode of uh, commute, my basic um, sort of inclination around the, the Hyperloop was uh, predominantly around the sustainability angle that essentially um, goes highly neglected. And um, I say that because a lot of people don't know that the Hyperloop sort of was one of not only the world's first um, profitable uh, mode of uh, mass transit, but also um, it actually was profitable in a way where it gave back more energy than it consumed. So mm -hmm. it was an energy positive mobility solution. It actually gave back around 30% to the grid than it actually consumed because of the speed um, that it uh, it uh, moved at. Um, from there, uh, I sort of started getting uh, a lot more drawn to this um, understanding of renewable energy, green energy, uh, understanding more about climate impact and innovation around climate impact. Because if you look at a lot of the early conversations around, around climate change and sustainable solutions, it's always uh, a CSR activity. It's always driven as a not-for-profit or a something you do uh, to feel good about yourself uh, on a weekend uh, one-off. But uh, there are a lot of uh, startups and entrepreneurs out there that are driving uh, this change um, as a profitable uh, for impact, social impact, uh, climate impact um, startup. Uh, from there, I transitioned and did a lot of things around climate change to do with food waste reduction. Uh, oceans in us is is more on uh, cleaning up the oceans and removing plastics. And um, circularity comes full circle, where we now take uh, not just plastic waste, but all kinds of waste and uh, create new material from it. Nice, nice. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. I guess I'd love to understand a little bit. One phenomenon I'm seeing is that, you know, oceans and circulatory economy were something more philanthropic like 10, 20 years ago. But now you have ESG initiatives, you have 
um, carbon credits, climate credits, probably ocean credits yeah. are coming and things like that. So concepts of currency and assets, right, is a phenomenon that's mm -hmm. changing. And then that's that's trickling into legislation and kind of policy change on the enterprise level. What's been going on lately? Why why all of this is so important on new dimensions? It's always been important, but tell us about what the phenomenon is happening here in relative to those elements. I'd love to also hear um, a little bit on if that's good or bad, if you think that's really, really good and how, what's the work that needs to be done? So, sorry, I'm, you told me 20 different things there in your intro <laughs> and I'm coming back to you with 17 questions rolled into one, but just, I'd love to understand your mindset on, on what's happening right now uh, relative to those dimensions. Yeah. So. Look, see, um, there's the positive and the negative. There's always two sides right. to everything. And uh, the positive is that um, there is a lot of money and a lot of, uh, you know, investors, angels and VCs have come to this ecosystem. There's a lot of green bonds now and there's government grants and there's this whole ecosystem that is uh, encouraging innovation right. um, around climate change. That being said, that has obviously made sustainability a buzzword. And uh, for you know, for, for lack of all the right reasons, there's a lot of people who come to this to monetize this buzzword, you know, or for the a uh, couple of years ago it was AI, uh, then it became blockchain, then it became Web3 and NFTs. Uh, now sustainability is mm -hmm. uh, gathering all this attention. Um, so, you know, it's a trend for a lot of people. But that being said, there's a lot of good coming out of it as well. And uh, sort of, routes to monetize this such as carbon credits or plastic credits or um, this entire ecosystem that incentivizes you to do good for the um, for the planet is essential mm -hmm. and i think uh, you know there is regulation that is sort of bound to um, to just make this more um, globally accepted there are a lot of people who have mixed opinions on carbon credits i for one think um, it's like a band-aid to a wound it's not necessarily the solution. It it fixes it for the time being. Mm -hmm. um, so at present, carbon credits gets you uh, that necessary foot into the, into the door to sort of you know um, encompass a, a more broader transition towards a more carbon conscious lifestyle or a carbon conscious business for that matter. So um, I'd say uh, carbon credits are a way that help a lot of startups and um, innovation go to market and help a lot of businesses who are on the other side of the spectrum, oil and gas, transportation, construction, et cetera, uh, start becoming a little more aware about how they can transition to being a little more conscious. And in saying that, uh, there is a massive, massive need for people to also make genuine transition in how they operate. So that would be direct decarbonization, uh, innovation in just the way they conduct business, uh, more um, you know, availability of renewable energy. Um, it's it's a it's a mix of things. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. And and with the with the two businesses that you work on, right? So there's are, are there maybe for our listeners, maybe there's the carbon credits, climate credits, but it seems like there's this emerging like maybe ocean or water credits that may be happening, yeah. or or even plastic credits, right? Is that happening? Yeah. Is that a thing? Or how does one think of the, the new, uh, you know, offset and offsets and currencies relative to the these things that we're talking about? I've got something better for you. So there's there's about 170 there's 170 types of credits as of today. It's it's a fairly complex um, yeah. industry. 
Um, carbon credits um, work on uh, two mechanisms. It's either a, a removal of CO2 from the atmosphere or prevention of CO2 into the atmosphere. Uh, very simple calculation of a ton uh, being one credit. Uh, plastic credits, I'd say, are a little more uh, tangible in its functionality. So uh, mm -hmm. a ton of plastic removed from the ecosystem is a credit. A ton of plastic recycled is also a credit. Now, what we're building is called a circularity credit, which is uh, the first of its kind. It's going to be built on a circularity registry sitting on the blockchain, mm -hmm. which will enable a third element of reuse or repurpose. So to give you context, as oceans and us, we clean up the oceans and we remove plastics from the oceans. We also have built and deployed smart bins in the cities to prevent this plastic from entering the water bodies. Now, this prevention or collection mechanism would have earned us a plastic credit. If we shredded this or, or pelletized it or you know recycled it, it would earn us a second credit because we would then be recycling this plastic that we collected. But if Nike were to come to us and say, hey, we're going to make our next sneaker from your plastic shreds so that it's in, it's more environmentally sustainable in terms of reusing some material, they aren't incentivized. For them, it's more of a need to offset their footprint, but they don't necessarily earn a credit for doing so. Mm -hmm. um, to give you another example, when when you take ethanol, I'm sorry, when you take sugarcane waste or any kind of agricultural waste and you produce ethanol from it, mm -hmm. uh, this is under the current framework. But if an airline comes and uses that ethanol, that doesn't you know, uh, get rewarded as a whole circular economy focused circularity credit. It's right. broken down into different pieces. So what we're doing in this case is we're looking at removal, recycle, as well as repurpose and reuse. And right. all of this together forms a circular economy because what's the point of removing and recycling unless you have someone on the other end reusing it? You know, that's the way have to and uh you know uh, the reason we've added the layer of blockchain to this is because uh, by definition a circular economy isn't a single cycle now yeah. going back to the previous example if you buy a sneaker let's say it's 100 percent made of um, waste plastic you you're going to stop using this shoe after a year or two years it's either going to wear out or you're going to get bored and change into the next uh, trendy fashion what happens to it thereafter if you give it away or you dispose it, you're sending it back into the same cycle. So yeah. all you've done is you've delayed that plastic from coming back into the supply chain in a different shape and form. Mm -hmm. So um, the idea is to keep it in an infinite loop. So through our registry, what happens is it's all uh, tracked through IoT, through sensors, mm -hmm. through QR codes, depending on the type of product. And it's tracked and traced on, on the blockchain registry. So when it it's like your iPhone. You can trade in a current iPhone, um, you know, for the latest one. You can trade in your car for the for a new car. You can do it with tellies as well. Why not with merchandise? Why not with products like this? So when you give back the Nike shoe, you get a discount on the next purchase in the ecosystem. And then, you know, um, every material can be recycled once, twice, thrice, depending on the type of material. So this, the second time it, it's coming to us for recycling, it becomes something more permanent, like mm -hmm. a construction material, perhaps a brick or a tile or part of a roadway. So just to make sure it's a more permanent solution thereafter. So mm -hmm. through this system, you're going to be able to see a bottle of Coca-Cola being removed from a certain river. 
collected and recycled at this particular facility and thereafter transitioned and made into a brick that is now sitting uh, on a school or a public library built in Africa. Wow. So you're going to be able to see that end to end. And that is what we're looking to build with circularity. I love it. I love it. And not to ask you a question that probably is on the website, but I am curious. So I'm assuming that the identification of that original shoe or plastic bottle or Coke bottle um, has some sort of unique identifier that is decentralized. Yes. That is sort of like the residual item value. It's like a specific, probably unique term because it's no longer a shoe or a bottle, but it's more of like the residual identification of its originality, right? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So, yeah, whether it's shoe or whether so, think about it this way. Look at think of a tie up between uh, Adidas and Pepsi, where yeah. Adidas says we're going to make make our next lineup of shoes only from Pepsi plastic bottles. So we're going to be able to provide that transparency. This Pepsi bottles could come from a river in Mexico uh, versus a river in India. It could come from anywhere, but it's all traceable and tracked. And, you know, you can foster these giant collaborations instead of just buying and offsetting carbon credits. It's a more real world solution where people, you know, design thinking takes a whole new approach where you just don't mm. look at something being produced as a one-time use. But imagine if every, every time Pepsi puts out a bottle, if they know that this is going to become a shoe thereafter with Adidas, and thereafter is going to become part of this construction ecosystem where these bricks are going to make public toilets in India or is mm. going to create community areas in Bangladesh. Changes the way you, you think production. Yeah. You know, you've sort of already, I think it goes along the lines of an EPR guideline where it's an extended purchase, res purchase responsibility. Over here, it's also an extended manufacturer responsibility where you look into the whole value chain end right. to end, creating continued value. And on, on the ocean side, you mentioned there's so many credits out there. I think you said 170. Is there a similar type, either directly related to your, your, your businesses that you focus on? Any ocean, water, even sustainable farming credits? I can imagine there's an intersection there on like water. Oh, obviously, might as well throw in energy there. But what's happening with like water and oceans um, relatively? Is it, is, it, is it very coupled with, with your business and, and, and those credits that you guys are doing on the blockchain too? Yeah, look, with see, with oceans, there's the blue carbon economy. So right. in that case, what happens is there's two things we're doing. So we're, we're, we're putting fully autonomous unmanned vehicles, boats, into the water. Mm -hmm. These detect and collect all kinds of waste. Okay, Through AI, these boats have sensors that through AI, they identify metals, plastic, and all other waste. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, AI is very advanced in this case you can you can pull out a coffee bean from a rice sack so it's quite easy to be able to to uh, separate these into these three categories is then shred or pelletized on the boat and we have smaller bridge boats that bring this material to land to a circularity innovation hub that circularity is building in doing so what we're doing is we're removing these metals or this this plastic so the plastic would give us a plastic credit the metal or the e-waste, if it's reused and recycled, it automatically eliminates the need for new metals being produced. Hence, there's a carbon reduction in terms mm -hmm. of offset as well. In terms of water credits, that's a whole different ballgame. That's in terms of, you think more along the lines of irrigation and agriculture. So introducing um, 
an initiative or technology that reduces the amount of water being used for agriculture through drip irrigation, perhaps, would earn you water credits. Uh, blue carbon is a whole different uh, ball game. The water in the oceans is something that it's it's the it's the largest natural um, uh, water sequestration uh, that we uh, sorry the carbon sequestration that we've got today. Uh, people go immediately to planting trees because trees take in carbon dioxide, but the oceans right. pretty much take in. Uh, most of what the what carbon is there in the atmosphere today uh, our boats also um, to foster that natural carbon sequestration uh, are collaborating with a company now where we're going to send rovs uh, into the ocean body to plant corals and these mm-hmm. corals uh, create or inhabit um, a certain ecosystem down there which naturally sequestrate carbon as well so uh, it's twofold so you look at multi-layered solutions with plastic credits uh, blue carbon, carbon credits, uh, recycling credits, uh, you know, all of it depends, again, in a way to make sure that the operation is is fueled and incentivized through multiple revenue streams. I love it. I love it. Uh, it takes me back. I mean, I, I had such a lot. I still have such a love for the ocean, but I used to work a long time ago to I do IT for the, the world's largest uh, retail boating company. And um, yeah, we, I would just you would just see all this waste, but you'd also see this level of abundance and and uh, yeah. ability to you know the possibilities uh, that it's like you knew you were, these emerging technologies were coming very soon that it was going to be able to. Yeah. So it's a very exciting time, and it, I hear the enthusiasm of you've got AI, you've got blockchain, uh, ways of handling currency, right? Ways of handling the inventory and the processing, but. Uh, going back to kind of your ethos, your vision, your goals, your origin, tell me what success looks like. I'm kind of curious, like your day in a life, but I guess what's just as important is I love to just hear like, what does success look like for you? Maybe like short-term and long-term. And, um, you know, obviously we can, we can hear, I can hear the ethos of why you're doing what you do, but tell me about what success looks like short-term, short-term and long-term. Yeah. Look, see, um, I'm a firm believer that whatever you do for the planet at the end of the day um, has to impact in a positive way the people, right? The reason we're saving the planet or trying to save the planet is to save people, ultimately, to save uh, life. Um, One of the statistics that stuck with me uh, when I was in India a couple of months ago, uh, India, being the largest population in the world, has 61% of the population uh, still into agriculture. Mm -hmm. Uh, which makes it uh, the largest agricultural population. Mm -hmm. And we have roughly around 300 farmer suicides per day, which is uh, an alarming statistic uh, for one to digest. And this is public information. So uh, uh, who knows what the the actual numbers are. But to me, uh, none of all this matters when you've got that happening on a day-to-day basis. So for me, a short-term goal would be to make that impact. And we're doing that because through circularity, what we've done is there's a lot of companies right now who work on carbon credits and monetizing all these kinds of credits, but a dime never reaches the guy on the grass shoot. It never reaches the farmer who's planting the agricultural uh, crop for you to monetize the agricultural waste, for you to sequestrate the carbon. Why doesn't he deserve a dime of all the revenue that this is facilitating? So in doing so, we've partnered with one of the largest banks in the country in India. We're going to be distributing these cards to the farmers where 10% of all the revenue are going to be, is going to be given back to the farmer every month. Nice. And that substantially increases his livelihood about 3x. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, 
what we're able to do is sort of directly impact his life. Right now, they don't have access to banking in most places. There's a middle money lender ecosystem. So we don't want to make them feel charitable. And the best thing you can do is, is you know, sort of make them feel like they've earned it. And they are because they're the reason we have the crop. And it goes back to even the waste pickers or the rack pickers or the waste collectors. You know, these guys, if they're collecting the plastic and they're cleaning up the beaches and they're cleaning up community areas, if a plastic credit earns you anywhere between 300 to $800, why don't they deserve 10% of that revenue? Why are they getting a minimum daily wage? Right. So that to us is our short-term goal. You know, we have fostered these partnerships to be able to facilitate this ecosystem on the blockchain where every time someone buys a circularity credit, they're going to be able to see where the money goes all the way to the guy on the grassroots. And in doing so, we're not just going to say, here's the amount of tonnage of CO2 that we've sequestered or or prevented, but also here's the number of lives we've positively impacted. Because ultimately, all of this climate change uh, movement is to ultimately save the planet, which is ultimately to save life. So why not do both in parallel? Wow. And uh, that's what we're intending to do. And from a long-term perspective, we intend on having multiple circularity innovation hubs around the world where look at all the waste from that respective city, municipality, et cetera, coming there. We bring in the best technologies from around the world to recycle and create new material from each type of waste, whether it's food waste, agriculture waste, uh, e-waste, plastic waste, et cetera. So it's like a hub where, uh, you know, if you have a solution where you say, Joel, I need uh, 100 tons of plastic per day to be able to produce this construction material, then we help you set it up and we provide the raw material to you. We even get you a buyer for your byproduct. So it's a way of fostering innovation and waste to be able to create new material, which goes back in the ecosystem, all while bettering the lives of the guys working on the grassroots. Wow. Yeah, this is this is phenomenal. This is this is great. It's it's uh, really interesting to hear how it's broken down and how you want to give that back also in that value because the circulatory side has so many dimensions to it, not just on the material and the item, but obviously on the labor, mm-hmm. the the literal credit and the wage side. Right, is some is the biggest thing that no one I've never really seen anyone crack that yet. Um, and so it does take it does seem like it takes like almost like a a nation state here, nation state type effort, right? To pull that off across the board. And then the nations and the enterprises 100%. and India will catch on because then they have, you know, a, cur- uh, a currency and a, and a system to do so. Um, to get to the future you want to see, uh, what else needs to happen? What help do you need? What barriers need to be broken down to, to reach that future state? Uh, look, at present, um, we've secured uh, the first 50 acres of land in India to be able to build the first circularity innovation hub. Uh, India, because uh, not because, uh, you know, not because we are favorable to the country, but primarily just because we've got uh, the need of the uh-huh. hour is there. Uh, you know, uh, waste is not just a cool thing to solve there. It's it's a, it's desperation and desperation fuels the best kind of innovation. So that's where we're setting up the first hub. We've secured the partnership with the bank. We've collaborated with Peterson Control Union, the guys who write framework and policy for credits to be able to create the circularity registry and the circularity credit. Uh, we've partnered with the state government. We're partnering with uh, the waste picker community of India, which is around 400,000 waste pickers to begin with. Uh, we will sit on the largest farmer database in the world uh, because we're starting a pilot of about a million farmers soon 
who will be given these uh, cards. Uh, we've got about six to seven different innovation uh, companies that are willing to come and set these plants up to tackle food waste, agricultural waste, plastic waste, etc. So we're good to go. We're ready to go. We're currently um, at a point where we're raising our first round of investment and uh, we're looking to collaborate with as many uh, governments, as many corporates to be able to take their waste and um, do a shared revenue economy along with them. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's I, that's phenomenal. And then um, you, do you foresee the innovation hubs being something like you can do a, a variety of them across the world too as well or not 100 oh you do okay 100 100 percent. we've already we're in talks with the governments in tanzania and ghana wow. uh we're, we're looking at setting up an innovation hub in dubai uh the u.s and texas so uh, hubs are scalable hubs are going to be all around the world wherever there is a need for depending on whatever is the, sure. the need there in terms of waste uh, we're also going to have an e-hub model where we integrate with uh, think of it as a work from home you don't have to go and set up your office somewhere else but yeah. if you have the waste here and you have the solution here we integrate that and just create a logistics ecosystem of uh, supply chain um, so we have two models of that sort that's amazing no that's amazing um it's fascinating uh, to to hear about your background, what you're working on, and your vision of the future. And congratulations to all this success. I I promise my last question's a, a simple one. Uh, <laughs> when people want to learn about Oceans and Us and uh, your your other company, uh, circular circularity. I need to practice saying that circularity. <laughs> it uh, takes what would time. be the best way? Uh, yeah, what would be the best way to learn about both? Um, uh, whether it's social media, and what's the best way to get in contact with you? Uh, one of our lis listeners or some of our listeners want to reach out. Awesome. Well, firstly, uh, you know, this podcast is great. Uh, we are putting our message out. So thank you. Uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So if anybody uh, wants to talk to me, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn directly and uh, I'll be quick to respond. Uh, they can always read uh, more information on our website, which is oceansns.com and circularityglobal.com. Uh, both websites will have... Uh, uh, very, very uh, interesting updates in the next uh, two weeks. So stay tuned and uh, please follow us on social media because we were uh, very active in terms of posting all our announcements there. Great, great. Well, Joel, this was Thank very, you. very refreshing and, and re rewarding just to kind of talk about your story and what you're working on. It's pretty phenomenal. Very well-timed, very brilliant plan that, that you have, but most importantly, you know, very passionate execution, which is really what this world needs in this space. So, so congratulations on, on leading the charge and leadership and execution to the space. Um, and to our listeners, this is the pop health show. The show is for anyone that has a super strong passion on the intersection of emerging technology and impact. Um, thank you so much, Joel. This was great. Really appreciate it. Great to be here. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you. Thanks.